know, Paul says there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. Height, depth, angels, demons, sickness, even death. So God, this morning we stand in the love of our Father. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Why don't you take your seats? Thank you very much. Again, so I want to welcome you to this service today. If it is your first time with us, we do pray that you felt really welcome. We, we pride ourselves on our welcome. Uh, we're a church that loves family. We're a church that believes in family. I, I love services like this where we get to come together as a church family. Where actually our children get to see us blessing children. I think that's really, really important. Um, Psalm 127 says this, that children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. We believe that children are a precious gift from God. And you know when you're given a precious gift, you take responsibility for it. You look after it. You take responsibility to care for that gift, to protect it, to nurture it. And with our children, we take great care to, to watch them and help them grow. Psalm 112 says this, how joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. If you want to know my prayer for the families of this church, it's this, that we fear the Lord, we delight in his commands, and that our children are successful. That's our prayer. Whether you're a parent, grandparent, or whether you're even a child this morning, that your descendants will be successful. The NIV puts it this way, their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. If you follow God's word, your descendants will be mighty in this land. There'll be a blessing to you. We believe in legacy. We believe in passing down the things of God to our children. Psalm 145 says, let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. We believe if you follow God, you'll see legacy in your future. If you follow God, you'll see legacy in your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren serving God. And you'll have the joy of looking at your grandchildren and going, I did that. Because I put my stand in and I left a legacy for them. It's because of the investment you put into them now, and as a church family, when we do a dedication, I think it's really important we ask that question, will you support the parents? It's not down to Josh and Lydia. It's not down to Jack and Meg. Will you support the parents? Will you come alongside them? Will you do life with them? Someone once said it takes a village to raise a child. It takes community. It takes all of us, it takes all of us to sow into the life of that child, to sow into its parents. We do life together so that children thrive and we get the blessing of watching them grow. If you're an older parent, that blessing of watching your child grow, that blessing of watching your child grow into all God's called them to be. I would say as well that someone said, if it takes a village to raise a child, someone tell me where the village is so I can drop them off. But the book of Proverbs says this, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. And when you look at that phrase, train up, it sounds a bit regimental. Train your child. And it can sound a bit kind of, you know, what, what, where are you going with this, God? Like, train up your child as if, as if there's some sort of manual for raising your child. Can I tell you there's not? And I wish there was. Because no one told me the first year of Lily's life would, 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 re, would consist of running around constantly putting pillows back on the sofa. 
No one told me the first year of Lily's life would be me constantly running around closing kitchen cupboards. No one tells us these things. There's no parenting manual, which is why when we see this phrase, train up your child, it puts us into a panic. Because we go scouring through the Bible, finding these, these nuggets of how do we train our child, and there's, there's no agreed way of doing it. You can pick up one book on, on, on you know, raising children and pick up another book on raising children. They'll tell you totally different things. But I want to get into this phrase of train up because I want to give you a very, very quick Hebrew lesson and then we'll move on. But when you look at that phrase in the original Hebrew, it's the word, and I apologize if you're in the first three rows, but it's the word chanak. And it's only used four times in the Old Testament or four other times in the whole Old Testament Three of those times, it's used in, in reference to dedication of a house. And once, it's used to the dedication of the temple in Jerusalem. If you've ever heard of the Jewish festival of, of Hanukkah, it's actually pronounced Hanukkah. It's a Jewish festival where they celebrate the rededication of the temple. So when we see this word, train up, when we see this word that we read in the Hebrew as Hanak, actually, we, we should read it with an image of our minds of, of a house or a building being set aside, being claimed, being owned, or being inhabited by someone else. And in this case, that someone is God. So when we hanak a house, we're saying this house belongs to God. It's why churches have dedication services. They are saying this house belongs to God. So when we read this verse, we are saying this child belongs to God. God is going to take possession of this child. He's going to inhabit this child. God is going to live inside this child. So we come this morning to Hanak Eli, to dedicate a child, to set him aside, to invite God's presence, dedicate a child according to God's ways, and when he is older, he will not depart from it. So what are God's ways? Can I tell you the Bible's full of them? The Bible is full of God's word, God's commands, God's instructions. So, so where do we start? If we're going to follow God's ways, if we're going to dedicate our child to God's ways, what, what do we do first? Well, there's a passage in the Bible where Jesus is teaching a crowd and, and a scribe who's an expert on the Jewish law. He's listening. And once Jesus is finished, this scribe says, Hey, Jesus, of all the things, what's the most important thing that we could do to follow God? Of all the commandments, of all the laws God gave you, what's the most important? And it's actually a trick question because he's trying to catch Jesus out. Which one is Jesus going to choose? Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Do not put lemon in cheesecake. That's not in the Bible, by the way, but it's just wrong. As your pastor, I'm telling you. But Jesus said this. Listen, O Israel, and he quoted an Old Testament passage. He said, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands. Repeat them again and again to your children. And if you read the rest of that passage, he's quoting Deuteronomy chapter Six. But I want you to notice something. In, in, the, in all these passages, none of the emphasis is on the child. It's on us. 
The emphasis is on us. We are called to love God with all our heart, soul, and strength. We are called to commit ourselves to his teachings. We are told to repeat these commands to our children. The emphasis is on us, that as we dedicate, we give the child over to God, and God gives them back, saying, okay, over to you. I'll be with you. I'll strengthen you. I'll resource you. I'll bless you, but this is on you. I'll be with them in spirit, but you've got work to do on earth. And the emphasis is on us. Can I tell you, church, our children are counting on us? Can I suggest our children want us to fight for them? Whether we're a parent, whether we're a relative, whether we're just a friend of the family, whether, whether we just come to the same building every Sunday, every single one of us has a part to play in, in pouring in and developing and nurturing the next generation. I want to bring a really short message this morning to help us unpack that. that, that, that actually, I think it takes all of us to raise a child. It takes that, that, that village to raise a child. So if you do have your Bibles with you, would you turn with me to the book of Nehemiah? Now, Nehemiah, chronologically, is the last book of the Old Testament. Uh, it's not the last book of the Old Testament because of the way the Old Testament's written, but chronologically, it's the last narrative we have of the Jewish people before Jesus comes. And it tells the story of the Jewish people who've been released from captivity in Babylon, and they get back to Jerusalem, and they've been allowed to rebuild Jerusalem. J Jerusalem was totally uh, burnt to the ground by the Babylonians, and Nehemiah is allowed to go home to start this rebuilding project. And when they start to rebuild, there's loads of people who, while the, the Israelites have been in exile in Babylon, they've moved into Jerusalem, they've built their homes, and suddenly the, the, the Jews come back, they start to rebuild Jerusalem, and the locals go, whoa, 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 what are you doing? This is our land now. You can't build here. And Nehemiah says this, or it says this, sorry, in Nehemiah, that after I looked things over, after I kind of surveyed the land, after I looked around, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Who's he talking to? Nobles, officials, and the rest of the people. Not just the special people, not just the important people. He's talking to everyone. He says, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of these people. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families. Church, we've got to fight for our children. Not just parents, but, but we all have a role in fighting for our children because there are people and, and agendas out there that would love to tell our children things that aren't true about God, things that aren't true about life, things that aren't true about themselves, and we have to fight for them, that they learn the truth about God that they learn the truth about who, how God sees them, that they don't have to be afraid of the world. Our children don't have to be afraid of the world. Jesus said, I've overcome the world. I've read the last page of the Bible. Guess what? Jesus wins. So we don't have to be afraid. So our children don't have to be afraid, but in the meantime, we have to fight for our children. Are you with me this morning? So how do we do it? Three things that are actually, I'm not asking Lydia and Josh to do this. I'm asking all of us to do. As, as your pastor, leader, however you see me, I'm asking you to do this. And the first is this, pray for our children. Prayer works. We can all stand and attest to the power of prayer. And I'm asking you to dedicate time in your day, in your week, to pray for our children. What do I pray for? Three things. Pray for them to love God. We want our children to know and love God. You know, for us... Uh, we've got two girls. Whatever our girls do, our dream for them is that they love God. 
I'm not bothered about where they go. I want, it, I want them to be successful. I want them to do well. Don't get me wrong. But the most important thing for, for us as parents is that they love God. Proverbs says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We want our children to make right, right, wise choices, and it comes from fearing God. Now, that, that word fear doesn't mean fear, as in our kind of context of being afraid of God. It's not what it means, but it means to have respect for God. And if we want our children to be wise, it comes from having a healthy fear of God. Psalm 34 says, come, my children, listen to me. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord doesn't mean we're teaching our children to be scared of God, but, but, the, but that, that fear in this context, that respect for God, actually the Bible says the fear of God brings wisdom, it brings joy, it brings blessings. Another proverb says the fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Wouldn't you love that for your own life? To rest content, untouched by trouble? Wouldn't you love that for our children? That when they go to bed at night, they rest content. That they're untouched by trouble. I want you to pray that they love and fear God. Second thing to pray for, pray for them to be surrounded with divine favor. When they know God is involved in their life in a way they can't explain, they'll learn to love God. When they discover God is involved in their life in a way that they could never earn, they'll want to follow God. The Bible says this, surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. You know what? There's nothing better for a child or a young person to know that God is supernaturally protecting them. There's nothing better for a child to know that God is with them, protecting them, providing them, guiding them, preparing for whatever they have to face. And, and can I tell you now, I know who I am. I'm, I'm a C student on my best day. We were, talking, we were chatting to Michelle earlier. Michelle's very, very close to finishing a PhD. I can barely spell PhD. <laughs> I don't have a degree in theology. The best I got is a B at REA level. That, that, that's it. I was a clown in school. Like, I did things in school just to get attention. Absolute clown in school. But, but, I, but, I, but God has put me in positions that I've never earned, never deserved... And I couldn't have done it in my own strength. And I know that's been God's hand on my life and it's made me love him more. It's made me follow him more. And I want us to pray that our children know God's favor, that they have good teachers, that they go to good schools, that every place they go, God would supernaturally push them forward so they know God's hand is on their lives. Church, are you with me? Pray for our children. Third thing to pray for, pray for God to bring them godly friends and influences. Someone said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Proverbs says this, as iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. Do you know that can be good or bad? That can work both ways. So we need to pray for our children to have the right friends. When we left Exeter, one of our biggest prayers was, was actually for Naomi's school. When we were in Exeter, Naomi was going to a, 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 an incredible primary school, Church of England primary school, uh, really strong Christian ethos. The head was a Christian, her teacher was a Christian, her TA was a Christian, uh, and, and we had a really thriving group of children in our children's work at our church, and we just prayed, God, please put someone in Naomi's life, in school, that she'd make good 
friends. On her first day, the first girl she spoke to, her family go to a church in Risca. Her mum runs a toddler group at, at a church in Risca, and Naomi is constantly telling her class all about church. She's, she's a proper little evangelist, but, but we thank God every day that, when, that he answered our prayers. God put someone in her life. And they're the best, they're the best of friends. They really are thick as thieves. But you know, God sent people ahead of us to put someone in school at the right time that God, God had placed someone ready to meet Naomi. Church, I want to encourage you again, pray for our children. Second thing I need us to do is this, we need to prioritize church. Our children need to see adults prioritizing church. And they need to see us loving God when we're in church. Because children learn by doing. And they do what they see us doing. So I want you to consider how you are around children in this church. And I know that's going to sound really, really strong. But if we want our children to grow up worshipping, we need to worship. If we want our children to grow up praying, we need to pray. And and I've seen... uh, And I want to be careful with this because I've seen so many great parents, people who love Jesus, and I can tell you stories of couples in Exeter that we've done life with, and their children are nowhere with God because they didn't make church a priority. When something becomes optional, it becomes inconvenient. And when something becomes inconvenient, it's not long before you resent it. And, and we've seen families from our old church be, be on that slope. And can I tell you, before COVID, we were on that slope nationally. And then we had COVID, and the last three years, it's been really tough, especially when we were in lockdown. Can I tell you, this is, and this is not about us, but we've got a higher percentage of people who've come back to church than any other church I know in this area. That's not because of us. That's not because of me. I'm grateful for it, but I'm not trying to build church. I'm trying to build children. And our children need the consistency, they need the strength, they need the discipline that comes from coming to church. It's not about watching a sermon or a message. Yeah, yeah, we put our messages online, you can listen to the podcast, you you can do all that, but that's not church. And if I'm honest, I'm not sure watching me for half an hour on your iPad is going to change your life. It might be a part, but you don't need a 30-minute message, you might need a hug in the foyer. You might need a cup of tea and a smile. You might come in here sad or discouraged and you see the person next to you lost in worship and you go, do you know what? I need some of that. You can't get it on your own. You can't get it sat on your sofa in your pajamas. Jesus went to church. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Look what the Bible says. It says Jesus went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up on the Sabbath day He went to the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus went to church. Hebrews says this, let us hold unswervingly. I love that word, unswervingly. And I want to suggest some of us are swervingly. When we get to a Sunday, we kind of go, oh, I don't feel like going. I think I'll go. Maybe I won't go. Oh, I don't know if I fancy some of that on at the beach or the football's on. I'll watch it online. We're swervingly. I want you to think about how being at church isn't just for you. You being at church is for others. Because they might need your smile. They might need your hug. They might need you 
to make them a cup of tea. The writer of Hebrews goes on, consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Not just to listen to a message, but to come and encourage each other. Giving a hug in the foyer, sharing a cup of tea. We do life together. Men, women, children, we do life together. The Bible says God places the lonely in families. We're a family. He sets the prisoners free and he gives them joy. I'm going to invite the band to come and join me. I'm going to come to a close. But church, I know this may be strong, but I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking you to prioritize church. And the last thing I'm asking you to do is participate in their development. Participate in the development of someone younger than you. Find someone younger than you that you're going to invest into, that you're going to nurture, that you're going to grow. Come and help out in all stars. Come and help in little stars. Come and get involved in toddlers. Can I tell you, toddlers, we have over 40 toddlers on a Tuesday morning. We need help. I don't mean, I'm not, our toddler team are incredible, but there's not enough of us. And I'm wary about putting this out online, but we might get to a point where we've got to say, do you know what, we need to shut our doors at a certain point because we haven't got the team or the capacity to run this. We need your help. We need people to invest in that younger generation. The Bible says, all through the Bible, one generation will tell the next. Another generation will tell the next. That generation tells the next, and so on, and so on. It's all through the Bible. Paul says to Timothy, a guy he was mentoring, he says, remain faithful to the things you've taught, you've been taught. In other words, pass these things on. Pass on what I've taught you to the next generation. You know they're true because you know you can trust the people who taught you. Take what you've learned, pass it on to the next generation. One generation teaching, leading, guiding, nurturing, loving the next so if you want to participate in their lives, then we need to give an example to them. Yeah, I've learned Naomi doesn't need me to be smart. If she did, she's lost out anyway. Naomi doesn't need me to be smart. Lily doesn't need me to be smart. She needs me to be consistent. Because she's watching me. Church, can I tell you, you might not realize it. Our children are watching you. All of you. They're watching how you live. They're watching how you speak to each other. Paul says this, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Set them example by doing what is good. Let's be people who set an example. In our speech, in our conduct, in our patience, because our children are watching us. What's our example? Jesus tells us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. That's it. Jesus said in another passage, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. If you seek God first, God will sort out the rest. If you focus on getting close to God, God will take care of your stuff. Whatever it is, he's a good, good father. Whatever stuff you've got going on, if you say, God, 
I'm going to focus on you first. There's a phrase that says, don't tell God how big your mountain is. But tell your mountain how big your God is. Seek first his kingdom. So if you're a parent here this morning, young children, old children, if you're a grandparent, actually, if you have parents, I want to pray for you. So I'd ask you just to bow your heads. God, thank you for every parent, every grandparent, every child that is here this morning. God, I pray for encouragement. I pray against any parental guilt or anxiety. God, we know as parents, none of us are perfect. And we pray against that feeling of condemnation that we can sometimes have. Help us to cast our cares on you. Help us to seek first your kingdom because you are a good, good father. God, we pray in this house for a spirit of peace and joy that we recognize we have the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us, to teach us, to help us lead the next generation. God, give us wisdom. Give us courage. Give us patience. Give us grace. Help us as we place our children into your hands. Just while every head's bowed, I want to pray one more prayer. Because you might have been listening to this and, and maybe you've recognized you can't be the parent God's calling you to be unless you have God living inside you. It might have been in the worship, maybe in something that was said, but you've realized, I don't want religion, I want relationships. I want to rest content. I want to rest untouched by trouble. But the Bible says you need to know God. And we want to give you an opportunity to discover what it means to follow Jesus. So we're going to pray another prayer. And I'd love you to pray with this with me. If you're saying, okay, God, I, I want that life. I want that life as Jesus as my guide. You might be sat here this morning and you know there's just something missing. Maybe you know God's been on your case and, and now it's time, to, it's time to stop taking care of your own worries and let him take control. God places the lonely in families. He sets prisoners free. He gives them joy. I just believe that's resonating with some people this morning. So maybe you feel lonely and, you, and God is inviting you into his family. Maybe you feel trapped by something and God is inviting you to be free and receive that joy. Either way, you can pray this prayer with me. Father God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son to die that I could have life. I receive that life. I turn from my old ways and commit to yours. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives inside me. 
guides me, teaches me, comforts me, counsels me. May I know it ever closer. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. Amen. One last prayer. Father God, we thank you that in you we find the perfect example of a parent. Thank you for those who took a step this morning to follow you. God, would you bless us that we would be an example to our children. We would make a difference in their lives, that our children would grow up loving, serving, and following you. God, thank you for amazing grace, for grace that sets us free to be the parents, grandparents, children, friends, family that you've called us to be. We ask this in your name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. When we stand together, we're going to worship as we close.